Hello and welcome to the Serpent Temple podcast. We are going to be doing a weekly review of free brand new albums by Ithaca, Empower Your Triumphant, and Reeking Aura. Oh, <laughs> tension. Tension. <laughs> Letting it build. Speaking of tension, how are you doing, Floyd? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. I'm just gearing up for uh, Bloodstock Festival next week. Nice. So one. I've got to air out my tent that's been sitting in my little uh, heating cupboard outside, oh. which is fucking infested with spiders. So. Oh, um, no. That is so. like the Reeking Aura song, Seed the Size of a Spider's Eye. Yeah, that's a cool name of a song as well. It sure. is. It's, but yeah, it's. Um, so I've got to take it over to my mum's tomorrow and air it out. And. Uh, but yeah, so it's, I'm not looking forward to that. It's kind of like, you know, that out of sight, out of mind thing? Yeah, it doesn't just, exist. It's just such a convenient little cupboard. I was like, oh, fuck it, throw it in here. I'm not going to use this tent for six months. So I've got that. And I've just got to get some other shit together. But other than that, I'm pretty good to go. So that's basically what I've got going on in the next sort of week or so. So no doubt I'll do a little report for the podcast. Hell yes, done, please and, uh, do. Let you know what I got up to during that time. Who are you looking forward to seeing? Ooh, really looking forward to Merciful Fate. Yes. And I've been trying to avoid uh, spoilers, like settler spoilers and like... Um, the setup. Yeah, yeah, like the stage show and stuff. I've only seen a picture of like uh, King Diamond's kind of like garb and it looks pretty cool. He's got like this kind of like uh, Frost King style. Yeah, yeah. And I'm <laughs> just like, cool. oh, this looks fucking sick. Did you, did you watch them? Um, no, we no. missed them. We were going to and then like exciting things happened. So yeah. we couldn't. But we saw the big giant flag because they cover yeah. up the stage with this huge merciful flight. Flate? <laughs> Merciful Flate flag. Um, and it looks very cool even before you see the setup. Yeah, so I'm, I'm 100% looking forward to that because I'm looking forward to see what the stage show is going to be. And um, it's probably going to be a good stage show, right? Because King Diamond is such a theatrical experience. So oh, I yeah. imagine uh, Merciful Fate will be uh, something similar. That's probably the big one. Uh, other than that, um, Behemoth, Behemoth. Behemoth. I'm looking forward to. Mm. I'm still saying Behemoth. I'm still going by how well, Craig Charles used to pronounce the behemoth. name of the robot in uh, Robot Wars. Oh, man, that was the best show. Bring it, it back. Oh, Robot Wars was great. Yeah, he was the best. Had some great robots. I used to love uh, Hypnodisc. What was the one that we, like, everyone was scared of? What was that? There was like a really crazy one. So, so was it Sakilla Lot? That was one that of was the like, house robots. That was like the Michael Schumacher of robots. <laughs> <laughs> It was like, yeah, weirdly that checks out. Uh, early day Michael Schumacher, I presume. Not, oh, yeah. Not, okay, okay, not okay. post apres ski okay. uh, Michael Schumacher. Is that... Yeah. I always felt sorry for a lot of the robots because Sir Killalot like, like, far exceeded the weight limit. Oh, so, is it? If I remember correctly, funny enough, I found out recently I got a friend, shout out to you, and him and his dad yeah. used to make some of the robots. No! Yeah, or something that he was telling me. I was kind of half listening. Sorry. Um, but, um, <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think he was saying that him and his dad made a robot and it was actually on Robot Wars. He was that on Robot sick. Wars as a young kid. Oh, my God. But, um, but yeah, I think it had a weight limit of 100 kilos. 100 kilos? Yeah. That's so like I would be people. too small, too big to go on Robot Wars. You're, oh, my God. So, You're too uh, too powerful to fight robots. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but Sir Killalot exceeded like this. So he was like much bigger. He was like double the size of every robot. So he used to feel sorry for the ones that like him. malfunctioned. Oh. And he had like the kids in the control box, like teary eyed. And Sir Killalot comes along, just punches Boom. it, just <laughs> dashes it in a fire pit. You know, there's a year of hard work and engineering down the shitter. I had the best childhood in terms of TV. It was like Robot Wars and you watched some WWE. <laughs> then you watched like some Buffy and Farscape. Like, wow, that, those were the days. Like Xena, there's so much cool shit going yeah, on. Yeah, that's some great. And that was all on like um, like terrestrial TV as well. Yeah. Because like, we didn't have cable, so that's the same shit I watched. Uh, we could not afford cable. Cable was like, you know, the Kardashians of the time had cable. Yeah, I yeah. used to just be jealous at school all the time. You'd have uh, people bragging about watching Dragon Ball Z. I had yeah. no idea what the fuck Dragon Ball Z was, but I just yeah. remember thinking, fuck, everyone loves this. Sounds cool. I know exactly what you mean. I had that FOMO as well, the cable FOMO. And now I'm just like, I wouldn't pay for television. <laughs> oh, God, no. Yeah. Well, it's not for a lack of BBC try and amount of letters I've had from the uh, yeah, we, TV Yeah, we came to your house today. Someone came to our house to be like, we visited your house. Have you been watching television <laughs> without paying? It's such bullshit because they actually have to catch you doing it <laughs> to even like... We don't have, have a TV. We don't even have a TV. Like, so it's like, because I was using, uh, well, actually, I'm not going to say what I was doing just in case. <laughs> Nothing. I definitely wasn't watching TV. 
or using BBC iPlayer. Mm. But no, I got some letter and it was like some obviously fake name at the bottom. I said, this person doesn't fucking exist. This is not like, <laughs> it was like t- fucking TV licensing fucking uh, arrest officer or it was like, that. Nah, piss off. That's it, not a real person. You know probably why, because like probably one, one time someone saw the name and was like, do you have a license to be giving out TV license licensing letters? And like stalked that person that was stalking them <laughs> about <Yeah>. the TV <laughs> license. That'd be a good reverse, you know. Yeah, I know. But it's, uh, aside from that, everything has been all gravy. How's your week been? Busy as always, I presume? Mad busy. I've signed NDAs, so I cannot speak of cool. everything. But I'm shooting guns tomorrow. Nice. As a peace-loving um, person that doesn't like war, I am going to be shooting guns. But with blanks, so it doesn't count, right? This is your second time doing it, right? Or no, is this your I've first time doing it? I've not shot a gun. I've handled um, decommissioned guns, yeah. which is cool because there's no chance of like a horrible thing happening tomorrow i had to sign a death waiver so that's gonna be cool oh damn just uh if you see alec baldwin just get the fuck out <laughs> yeah. i'm out <laughs> i'm gone yeah i'm gonna shoot like ar-15s and stuff so oh that's cool Are they they're like a machine gun right they're, they're very big dangerous no. gun and ak-47s the classic uh gun associated with the place in the world i'm from yeah my knowledge of guns kind of stops and ends with the golden eye franchise <laughs> on n64 <laughs> fair enough yeah. that was a good game it was an amazing game. It was right, should we best. move on to the first album? Reeking Aura. Speak, yeah, let's do it. Let's do Reeking Aura. So we've got Reeking Aura, Blood and Bone Meal. So this is a new uh, project of sorts, death metal project from uh, New York and New Jersey. Uh, this is their debut album on Profound Law Records. And it's basically a kind of a super group of sorts. Uh, this is Will Smith's new band of uh, Artificial Brain and Shout Afterbirth. Yeah. With the Big Will and the Heavy Hill podcast, uh, favourites of me and Shems. Um, and also, it's for a fair few members of people that Will Smith has also been in bands with. So there was a there's there's another Artificial Brain live member performing this band, and various members and former members of Buckshot Facelift as well. Nice. So and um, you know what this is this is well up my alley this album because what this kind of how this comes across to me this is like an homage to like old school death metal and a lot of the classic styles that I grew up in. There's a strong hint of like the Floridian death metal in here. Uh, there's one I know Will. In particular, is a uh, it's heavily inspired by Anti Bowman of Demolik, Sick and there's man. a track which I'm going to read the full title, and it's going to be a miracle if I don't fuck up one of these words. <laughs> but a vegetative mush that melts among the shelves, lined with meats of indeterminate origin. I love that. And I was just like, that is that is definitely a Demolik title. Yeah. And then the music as well, like it's got that same kind of jangly, dissonant, like uh, de- uh, tech death that the Finnish uh, band Demolik are kind of famed for. And uh, you saw live recently. You said they were great, right? They're so good live. Ah, this is a bucket list. Really? Whoa! Oh, I definitely need to watch them. Just, it's just a bucket list for me to watch that band. Well, hopefully, we'll, we'll catch them soon. But yeah, it's. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed this album. Um, and it's funny because this week, like, there's a lot of these reviews. It's, it's a tricky one because there's. It's, it's not that I don't have much to say about this album or the Imperial Triumph and the album later, but it's like there's so much of the music that's being played this, that's just so ingrained and reminiscent of the music that I grew up with, particularly in the death metal scene. Like, there's certain things in this album that I just really loved. I love the drums in this album. They have great production sounds. Like, the snare really reminds me of uh, Flo Mounier's drums from Cryptopsy. He's got that same kind of, like, really resonant kind of snare sound, and it's just really well produced. Um, and it's just, a, it's just a great debut death metal album. There's a few tracks in particular that I really enjoyed. Um... Even if the first track I thought was great, Remnants of Obstinate Rank, and then in parentheses, Flooding Rat Holes. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it just got totally like an old school sort of feel to it, like proper like Morbid Angel style riffs. And I still think to this day, you know, Morbid Angel, it is weird because they are considered one of the biggest death metal bands, right? But I still don't think they get the same level of respect and recognition that some of the other bands do. I think it's how they present themselves. You reckon? I think, and also like the whole like that album they released, the industrial one. Oh jeez! I think that kind of fucked it a bit for them. What illude, illude? I can't remember it, but because I, I never, I've never really got into them because of it, it sounds shallow, but like it takes. There's so many bands that I haven't listened to um, that are like big heirloom bands, let's say, and Morbid Angel are one of them. Like whenever their songs come on, I think they're cool and they're great. However, like the the Vincent guy. Dave yeah. Vincent, whatever his name is, he looks like a cartoon. Yeah. Like I just can't take him seriously. I can't. <laughs> I cannot take his music. I, I'm. I'm expecting it to sound like cartoon metal. 
Yeah. Is, in it, my is head. it the cowboy hat that's tipped you over the edge? It, it's the weird hair and the cow, which sounds really judgmental. It's some of the weird, like, you know, but it's, I don't know. I, I He just has a vibe. You know, sometimes yeah. people have a vibe. I just feel like he, he would, like, kind of be a dick, maybe. Maybe he's actually a really nice man. I'm just really awful. Do you know, I think you've touched on something interesting, though. And I feel like, you know, in a scene as expansive as the Melter scene, sometimes you kind of have to be judgmental because you're not going to have enough time to check out all the bands. Uh, yeah. So, like, if something doesn't click with you instantly, then you're thinking, well, there's so much other music out there that I like, I enjoy, that I'm trying to digest. So I'm not going to waste my time with that. And I've always kind of been like that with Iron Maiden, for example. There's something about Iron Maiden that's never clicked. Yeah, so I'm just like... Yeah, I get you. Yeah. So I've never listened to an Iron Maiden album from start to finish. I think I know most of the hits, but... You've I... got to invest with those bands because they've got like a back catalogue and I just don't have the emotional capacity. Like, I don't want to do that labour to, to listen to them. I could just listen to Bolt for her. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And what a great choice that would be. Exactly. Like, usually that's what I do. I'm like, I could listen to this band or I could listen to this other band and usually I end up going with the other band. I mean, some I, that's why I like the podcast because it does make me listen to new music. Yeah. Um, and that has helped me be a bit more open-minded because before I was just like listening to the same things a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's same for me because I love checking out like some of the weird, obscure, like pro-metal bands like uh, Sir Lord Baltimore and Hell some of that yeah. stuff, which was like, you know, I had no knowledge of this because it's like, and it's funny because like I tend to not listen to old music that I didn't grow up with because mm. it doesn't compute in my head to use the internet to check out old music because I compute using the internet to check out albums new that are music. new. Yeah. But I just totally forget that, oh yeah, there's probably a wealth of albums that have been uploaded so from many. back in the days. But yeah. it's uh but yeah, no, it's 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 um it's definitely opened my kind of ears and mind to like kind of even respecting like the doom genre a bit more as well because it's the one that i've like definitely spent the least amount of time kind of as an overall genre it's probably the cartooniest which is ironic for me to criticize morbid angel for being cartoony <laughs> when doom is like like the clown um sometimes in the room yeah. when it comes to things but doom is sick like obviously i'm in the doom band so i would I can criticize it a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look yeah. at us being all open-minded and stuff. Yeah. You've, you've definitely got enough clout to be able to criticize doing bands. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. No. But if we go back to Reek and Aura. So uh, one of the it. things I liked about this album was uh, I like the fact that Will has changed up his vocal style a bit on this. And they're sick he, vocals. He's an amazing vocalist, amazing death metal vocalist. Um, he is uh, kind of more known for his like super like subterranean uh, what's known as collectively in sub circles as the toilet bowl style vocals, mm. like the gurgling, mm. like uber guttural style. Um, but on this album, he kind of favors more of like a classic, uh, like sort of like guttural howl, not too dissimilar from like Frank Mullen from Early Suffocation, uh, Joe from Broken Hope. I'm not going to try and pronounce a surname, it's a Polish name, and I'm going to butcher it. Mm. But like it's a similar style to that. It's kind of like more of a cavernous style, like old school vibe, which I totally dig. And there is like, and there is a bit of variety uh, vocally on this album as well. Um, you know, there's like there's some there's some cool like uh, dual layered like snarls and highs that are backing up some of the vocals. And he does throw in the occasional like gurgle every now and again. And it's just you know, it's funny because when I listen to the Heavy Hole podcast, it really made me think wow, there's someone else out there that obsessed over death metal vocals as much as I did. <laughs> like, I was so obsessive over, like, vocal styles and, like, it was so particular about it and just, like, wanting to find, like, the most ridiculous sounding vocals imaginable. Nice. So it's uh, that's why I feel like I kind of resonate with Will and will always give time to any new project he's got because yeah. I feel like he's got the heart of, like, a true death metal fan and ambassador, much in the same way that Trevor Sternad from Black Dahlia was exactly the same, which is why that was such a tough loss because, you know, he was a fan and he was like you know a true ambassador for the scene so amazing and then once again in terms of the music itself like seed the size seed the size of a spider's eye uh just just a great pummeling track sort of two minutes in that's got some really cool sort of like killer like groovy kind of like moshable guitar work like i just want to say like it's the guitar work on this album is 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 immense and i re really enjoyed it and it's interesting because there's actually three guitarists so three so, which is, you know, not the most common setup in the world. Like, I know Whitechapel, the Deathcore band, got three guitarists. And mm. and not to throw any shade on Whitechapel. I mean, we're never really going to review an album, so I don't feel too bad saying this. But I watched them live once, and I was thinking, what the fuck is the point of the, <laughs> like, the other guitarists? Like, what's, what's going on here? This makes it sound even more muddled. I mean, you know, like, if you have been to a Deathcore show live, like, you know how fucking sludgy and like fucking like distorted the guitars could sound so it's just like what the fuck is the point of adding a second rhythm guitarist to add to the fucking so much can go wrong yeah yeah 
But um, oh, they went down so bad. It was Bloodstock actually, and it was oh. they were like in the morning. It was it was uh, Whitechapel, then Chelsea Grin. I can't remember who was on first, but it was like it was at a time where like I feel like Deathcore was still not as popular in like the mainstream metal consciousness, mm. and especially not the way it is now because like you got bands like Slaughter to Prevail and uh, Lawn the Shore and uh, even Thy Art is Murder who are getting like significant crowds and have had significant crowds at some European festivals. So I feel like the scene's kind of been welcomed in a bit more in the last few years. It was uncool when um, to to like them when I was a teenager. Oh, for the longest yeah. time, it really was. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, there is a lot of complexity in this album, which I really like. You talking about free guitarists reminds me of Rachmaninoff because, like, his music's so complex. It's written because you know normally in classical it's written on two staves if it's piano music. Ah, uh, yes. His yeah. is doubled, so they're right on four. Oh, jeez. Some of his pieces because they're so complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Christ, it's. Um, I remember seeing like some like annotations of like some of the more older classical music, and it's just like fucking hell. People were really like on top of their game, like even back then. Mate, those manuscripts are sick. Do you want to hear a cool fact? Go on, let's um, hear it. You know Feralise by Beethoven. Yes. He wrote it for um, a girl that he fancied that he was teaching. She was called like Theodora or something or other. Um, and he wrote her a tune that she could play because she was like very mediocre piano player and she wasn't very good. So he wrote her Feralise because it's like the easiest song to play. It's, but then like. He he found out she was engaged. Yeah. So he wrote the rest of the song to be really difficult. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, that is levels of pay that to aspire to be. Fantastic. Do you know the funniest thing about that fact? I was literally thinking in my head and I was so proud. Oh, I could play that on piano. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, oh yeah, it's literally the piss easiest thing <laughs> to play. I love it. It's like... It that, is easy to play though. That, that, that like uh, friend zone romantic burn has lived on through history. I love the pettiness of that. Oh man, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, this is uh, like similar levels of complexity is uh, post easy bit for release and Rachmaninoff, I would say. Um, with like the extra guitarists, like it's uh, it shows like some insane writing, I would say, and like you can hear it as well. Yeah, no, no definitely, and it's just like you know, it's uh, and like I said, you know, all I can really say about this album is that if you're a, uh, even a remote fan of death metal, then you know, if you're a death metal super fan, then there's a very good chance you will enjoy this album immensely because it's a combination of different old school styles and it's got some more modern production, and it's like. You know, that's kind of all the rage at the moment with bands like Tomb Mold and Gate Creeper and, uh, and fucking all the others. <laughs> uh, Blood Incantation as well. You know, they kind of, uh, they owe a lot to Morbid Angel. Um, so do Gojira. Gojira owe a shit ton to Morbid Angel. If anybody listens to her. <laughs> you surprised me with your fart sound. Who <laughs> <If> no. <you're... laughs> <laughs> <laughs> just surprised me? <laughs> But yeah, so just I feel like this. Uh, I don't know how I've got back onto Morbid Angel. It's just become the Morbid Angel just appreciation episode. Yeah. But it's uh, but yeah, no, the work, it's a great album. It's a great debut, and I think it's kind of and it's great because you know it's. I know that Will was saying that it was amicable the split from Artificial Brain, but I'm just glad that he's found his feet and is doing something Same, yeah. with a new band. And the other members of the band have found like you know a um, another outlet to create music. Cause it's always a shame when artists end up like for whatever reason not being involved in the project anymore and they just end up stagnating and not doing anything for years and it's just like you know it's obviously it's up to them and we know that the world's a tough place and especially you know there's no fucking money in the metal scene let alone the death mm -hmm. metal scene yeah so you can totally understand how all these amazing virtuosic musicians end up just fucking falling to the wayside never to write music ever again because you know they've got fucking families or fucking rent to pay i i really uh appreciate like the fact that this is like a, a blistering death metal album, but the cover is like this beautiful watercolor with like this yeah, it's a nice color cover, yeah, 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 with this like dark edge. It's like almost um, what's that? That miserable Russian guy. So what's his face? The elder, um, who does all those like those Russians in the fields that are working, and this is like it's like a guy. Oh, okay. He's like walking into the sunset. And he's like, obviously spent a hard day in the fields. And then like all the songs are about like fertilization and crops and harvesting and things like that. But in a death metal way, this is like a brutal, brutal album about decay and growth, which I dig. And it's cool because it's not your, your classic tropes of um, yeah. dismembering um, <laughs> women and babies. I, and I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that this is, you know, pyramid shaped plow and uh, grub lust, and, which I initially read as group. Grublast. I think I, in my head, I was saying. There's been a lot of minions chat yeah. about, so like I, I completely misread that at first. But Grublast is much cooler. I dig that, and like yeah, blood and bone meal. Obviously, it's like a really rich image. I saw um, me and Shem were on the motorway, 
and we saw the aftermath of a really horrific car crash. And oh. there was blood all over the road. Like when was this? more blood than I've ever seen a few weeks ago. Fucking yeah. hell. Yeah. Oh, I hate that shit. I get really like I'm not good with like gore and stuff. I don't mind it, but this like it was completely unexpected. It was the I've I've Fuck. seen a lot of blood. Yeah. Like, but that was the most blood I've ever seen. It was so Jeez. much. And I had no idea, but they were throwing like sawdust on it. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know they would do that to like soak up blood. And like the amount of times I've seen sawdust, like big pools of sawdust, and I've been like, oh, that was blood. Oh shit. And I had I just didn't like I finally put two and two together, and it was like a dark corner of the world suddenly opened up to me. Um, but yeah, the 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 imagery of this album, like Blood and Bone Mill, reminded me of that, which is like brutal and very death metal, yeah. I suppose. But it's it's funny, isn't it? Because it just it just I just had a random thought, and it's like it's funny how like you know like gore in regards to human is so like is seen as like so traumatic yet like people are still like the, the shit they do to like animals and like pig farms and like chicken yeah. b- battery people just don't care stuff. it's just like like it's, it's horrific have you seen there's um there's that video of gordon ramsay that he released on tiktok recently where he like he because he, he's got animals wherever he lives and he's got all these like beautiful little baby sheep and he goes into their pen and he's like, I'm going to eat you. Which one of you am, gonna, am I going to eat first? And he gets in and they're all like scared of him because he's like the way he, he just doesn't care. He just God, doesn't that's, care. That sounds really them. sinister, doesn't it's it? It's really just... sinister. Yeah. No. yeah. It's pretty freaky. Yeah. I think if, you know, if the world turned to shit and we ought to fend for ourselves, I'd definitely be vegetarian. I couldn't kill. I'd eat Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. <laughs> he looks a bit like Crackland, doesn't he? He he's does. Got the, like, he the looks porky. Yeah. He'd definitely be like the piggest. <laughs> The piggiest human. I think Sean Locke, the late great Sean Locke, the comic, said it best. He said, like, when Gordon Ramsay closes his eyes, it's like someone's put a chef's hat on a walnut. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. That's incredible. Should we, uh, like, any any final remarks on this absolute blasting blistering uh, yeah just any yeah like i said any fan of death metal any form of death metal check it out uh, also i just want to say it's mixed by uh, colin marston thousand of, uh, caves who also yeah. did imperial triumphant yeah so he's uh, he's featured quite a lot in a lot of albums we've covered um and funny enough he is also the guitarist of kralis as well yes he is he also guested on imperial triumphant he did yeah, yeah. So i did read that yeah yeah is he the bassist yeah he's also in Gorguts, yeah again that see so lo- loads of sick bands related to thousand caves yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, no, just check it out, man. Do it. All right. Should we move on to Ithaca? They yeah, fear let's us. Do it. I love Ithaca. I saw them play about literally five years ago with Shem before we even got together um, at the Unicorn in Camden, and it was a sick show. I'd never listened to them, and then like Jamila, this like insanely beautiful Iranian woman, gets on stage and she just not, does not give a fuck. And she just starts like laying down these incredible vocals. The band are tight. They're amazing. I was just like, wow, these guys are only playing the unicorn. And now here they are. They have like 30,000 plus listeners on Spotify. They've released this like absolute landmark album. I'm so, so happy that we're reviewing this today and that like this album exists. Yeah. And your story there just kind of corroborates with my experience of them because I had no real prior knowledge to this band apart from the last sort of few weeks where I've been noticing the hype train's kind of been building a bit. Mm. Um, And I think for whatever reason, I've got got a few people who I think are mutuals with uh, Jamila on Twitter. So I see a couple of her tweets being liked and retweeted occasionally. She's so funny and, and it totally has that don't give a fuck yeah. like attitude which yeah. i think is just um and i think that, i think they're from south london it said she's moved to germany but yeah uh, they're i think pretty sure they're like londoners yeah. yeah but it's just it's that london kind of like not giving a fuck kind yeah. of swagger that i do totally. like but it's um, no this was a fantastic album i really really enjoyed this especially because i'm kind of like going in blind not really knowing what to expect and I think what I enjoyed about it was much in the same vein of why I enjoyed the Reconora album so much was I felt like this album uh, really encapsulated a lot of the more old school vibes of the earlier sort of proto metalcore bands that I enjoyed so much. So bands like Shia Ludes and bands like um, uh, Vision of Disorder and, like you know, there's, there's, there's certain guitar riffs that are just really reminiscent of, like, you know, metal called before it became um a kind of um not joke but before it became what's the word i'm looking for like a pastiche yeah pastiche works yeah it's much better than the word i was thinking of but it's (laughs) (laughs) but just derivative of like the the, the, like the progenitors that became 
that, that came before them. Like there's like uh, strong elements of Deftones I hear in this album at certain part, parts. Like it's a turnstile, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, totally. Like the, the melodies in this album just absolutely great. I love a lot of the breakdowns in this album. Uh, I think Jamila's vocals are amazing. I love yeah. her harshes. I think her cleans are fantastic as well. It's a very human sounding voice. So yeah, it's like there's yeah. not a lot of um, well, She's from not what hiding. I can tell, She's not like hiding behind like the what it's supposed what people think it's supposed to sound like the traditional exactly sound. like yeah. it doesn't sound like false chords mm. or um or fry screaming it sounds like her actual voice which yeah. i think is something I love that. that is so important in a lot of vocalists these days because the the one way you could turn someone off from a band and i don't care what anyone says like the vocals for me a lot of the time do make or break a lot they of albums do. they do yeah um and you know when it's when it's a style that has been heard a hundred times before it just i think it kind of doesn't do any favors for the music the music's uh, got to be really special yeah for that to work yeah but i think this band just everything seems to be like they seem to be firing on all cylinders now and like i just i just love uh so many parts of this album it's got a good flow as well i feel like it starts off really aggressively yeah it kind of tapers off it... towards the end it becomes a lot more melodic which totally. i think is quite a cool journey i yeah. think it can be quite a brave one sometimes because mm. you know as this is i'm I've gone on the limb and say this is probably going to be their breakthrough album, right? Because yeah, I don't I think, think so. they were on too many people's radars before this. So I think it's quite brave to do an album which which doesn't have well, all the tracks don't have like more of a formula. Mm. Like it's it's like the fact that it kind of tapers off and becomes more dreamlike and ethereal and melodic towards the end. I think kind of shows that the band are not afraid to sort of like take some chances and just write the album and release the music they want to write and release. Yeah, it's it's a a genuinely like. I, I love this album. Like I, I was listening to this with a smile on my face. I was just so happy about it. And yeah, as you say, like it starts off insanely aggressive, um, but even then, there's like still little hints of like light and contrast with the with the cleans. And I feel like Jamila's voice, like she really showcases the different parts of her voice in this album. Like you know the aggressiveness, but then also like when she is being when she is singing clean, she's not being saccharine. She's not being all like vulnerable and what like not in the sort of traditional female way. She's being herself. She's being like fierce. Yeah. And like that's totally re reflected in the cover as well. Like it's not a traditional cover. It's like her in this like amazing orange outfit and this like throne like chair surrounded by like all the guys in the band, but they're kind of like her subjects and she's yeah. the bad bitch queen of the album, which she is. And yeah. like this is this is gonna be me giving Jamila compliments um for the rest of the review because yeah. So would you say, like, of, like, is there an aspect of her clean vocals that you kind of recognize? Um, of course, you, you both being Iranian, mm -hmm. is there anything she does in her clean vocals that's reminiscent of, like, certain techniques or styles that you implement in your music? I actually music? don't, not, not in, in terms of, like, traditional Iranian, yeah. um, but, like, in terms of just vocals, like, the, yeah, the similarities in terms of, like, you know, you're belting, you're using, like, different kinds of resonance and different placements, but it's, I wouldn't say it's, like, necessarily um like to do with uh where we're from yeah i would say because like it's very stylized like traditional iranian singing and it's like really weird as well and i don't it's not generally done it's not the done thing yeah. you'll hear it done you you'll probably think you're hearing it done in a lot of music but they're not actually doing it if that makes sense so yeah. you'll, you'll hear it done in like films where they're not actually doing the the vocal break yeah, because like they don't know how or you're taught not to use your vocal break because that's what you're essentially doing to an extent. But you're doing it in a way it's so hard to describe when you do the like ulgulations, so to speak. There's like a particular writing word for it, but no one cares. Probably um, you're not using your throat the way it would break if it's unintentional, but you're kind of doing it like intentionally and it's slightly it feels slightly different it's not as damaging cool if that makes sense yeah but yeah I, I don't i don't think jamila does that i don't think she feels the need to i don't think that's her like i don't think that's how she approaches it i think she's she's doing it like because some people national identity isn't always like the forefront of of like doing and being art and and expressing identity for some people it's more important than others for various reasons and i don't see that myself maybe i'm missing it um but i feel like this is more of like empowerment in terms of like perhaps gender or perhaps like you know if you are not a man and you're doing stuff like this you're gonna get some real shit thrown yeah. at you and she's probably had some serious shit thrown at her and i feel like she just she is just striding through it in like the best way i really respect the way that she's approached the like everything she's done on it 
I see. I I think, yeah, everything you said makes total sense to me the way you've explained it. Because I feel like, you know, everyone's going to have their own unique individual voice, right? So it's just like, I think too much in this scene, especially with, I'll go on a limb and I'll say like uh, people like, like let's say non-male vocalists tend Mm -hmm. to all be, there's an expectation for what people expect them to sound like. They're expected to sound very sweet. Very like, if if they do sing loud, it's operatic. You know, that's what people expect when they see female fronted or female vocals, which is like, utterly wrong if you know anything about music um because there are lots of, of male vocalists who have sound insanely female yeah. like there, there have been times i've been listening to a band and i think it's a woman singing and it's not you yeah. know um and vice versa just you know look at some jazz musicians there are women with like insanely beautiful deep resonant voices that could easily be male and vice versa you know you have ins- like lichens he's a perfect example like when i heard him singing i thought he w- i literally thought he was a woman and he's just like a guy who can do insane like head voice singing um so yeah like there there i think there's a lot of stylistic expectations that are associated with gender that just are utterly useless frankly yeah yeah that's why it's good that you've got bands coming out and expressing their kind of like true voice because it's kind of like just showing that you know fucking everyone is different in their own ways while still maintaining you know there's things that everyone can relate to and similarities that yeah we're all experiencing at the moment namely to do with how kind of like fucked up the world tends to be a lot of the time Totally. And I really like that Jamila's also like she's singing about she's not singing about like the traditional stuff. It's not like death and brutalization. It's more like emotional. It's more um, individual. And, you know, I'm, I wasn't necessarily sure what specifically she was referring to, but the lyrics are really open enough that you can apply it to yourself, which I think is a sign of a good lyric where probably anyone who's going through a particular time, like a hard time or a good time or a whatever time could read those lyrics and apply their own experiences to them or like put different scenarios against them and have different emotional reactions to the music because i think essentially that's when music is at its most powerful when it can elicit that kind of reaction from you yeah no totally and you know that's something i always liked about like the like this particular scene or subgenre of music was it is very very emotionally charged yeah and it's kind of something that was reminded to me when i went to outbreak festival a few weeks ago because i hadn't really spent much time with the hardcore scene or and i was just like fuck people are connecting with this on like and the, the lyrics could be something about deeply personal and specific but like mm. you're still going to connect that to something you've experienced even totally. if there's no direct correlation mm. but the best example i could give is uh, misery signals with the album of malice of the magnum heart that album is literally about a car crash where the where some of the members of the former band seven angels seven plagues died <sighs> and like a lot of the lyrics are, are you know are very centered around those events but like you listen to the album and there's just something you can attach yourself to whether it be someone you've lost and stuff so it's yeah. like and I, that's what i like about this scene i think ithaca have done this as well that you know like the lyrics and the vocal delivery and the, the music it, it's done in a way where it evokes emotion where there's could be and you know like i fucking wax lyrical about death metal all the time but it's very sterile a lot of the time and it's not something that's easy to connect to on that level mm. black metal's kind of the same sometimes depending on which subgenre of black metal you've got but like you know it's 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 just something and i'll tell you another thing i think this album is such a summary sounding album as well it is yeah it's yeah. really it really reminds me of turnstile like this time was it this time last year they released glow on i think so yeah, yeah i think yeah. we probably reviewed it pretty much bang on a year ago it feels like the same vibe but like it's its own thing as well yeah yeah but it's just I'll, I'll call I'll just mention a couple of tracks that I really enjoyed. Um, Cremation Party was a great track. It was like yeah. a really short, like bouncy and kind of like infectious track. Uh, and the, the, a lot of the guitar work on that album kind of reminded me of uh, Frederick Thordendahl from Meshuggah a bit. Oh, no way. Kind of had the, like, spiring, like ascending yeah, yeah, and descending yeah, 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 kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But I thought it was super cool. Um, uh, the track uh, number five was actually remind me in a good way of lamb of god a little bit but like early lamb of god like as the palaces burned before they became like a bit too kind of and you know i can't really comment because i'm not listening to too much of the later lamb of god material but i actually really enjoyed a lot of the earlier albums because i liked that album that you mentioned yeah Yeah, i used to listen to that on my my ipod classic oh classic (laughs) it's uh that was produced by devon townsend as well that album no i did not know that he does guest vocals on one of the tracks i think 11th hour but if i remember correctly that's crazy he, oh yeah he produced their misery signals didn't he yeah yeah oh. yeah i forgot about that that's cool but yeah it's uh oh what the tracks did i enjoy um well what's cool about this album is the fact that i feel like there's a lot of 
uh, aspects of the music that do remind me of a lot of other bands. Like I was saying, there's parts that remind me of Deftones, like there's the guitar work that reminds me of uh, Frederick from Meshuggah. But like, it's not it's not like plagiarism it's it's still its own thing yeah exactly and i think it's great when the bands can can so clearly display their influences from other bands and other elements of the scene but still portray it in a way that is still uniquely theirs and that's what i think they've done this album i noticed that on um on they fear us which is like the title track and the the single they released i i love the intro to that song it's like evil as hell um but it's also like triumphant which is like the main thing i took away from this but yeah there's like um the guitar work kind of reminds me of Meshuggah at times and then like the breakdown is like very nine inch nails yeah which is like another example of a band with like very flexible lyrics at times and it makes me like yeah i want to go like punch a wall <laughs> like a drywall <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i didn't even know nine inch nails had breakdowns i don't know if they have breakdowns but the, it reminded me of a nine like of nine inch nails oh i see sense. yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. I still need to watch them live at some point. I need to get into them. You've you've you, you talked about them so highly at Hellfest. So it's made me want to get into them and just if see they, what it is I'm missing. If they play the UK again, I'm going to spend like a big chunk of money on going to get good seats to yeah. see them. Like, cause oh man, they are the band. Yeah. What what would they play? They probably play probably be a, they'd be at an arena. But I would I wish I saw them play the Eden Project. That looked yeah. amazing. Yeah, probably wouldn't be O2. That'd probably be a bit too big. Well, I, I saw them play the O2 when I was 16. Really? Yeah. So they're, they're easily fill out the O2. That sold out as oh, well. Know. Well, maybe they're much bigger than I thought. They're I've, huge. Yeah. They've got millions of fans. I definitely, sometimes I do not have a grasp on how big <laughs> bands are. I'm the same. Yeah. It's I like when you. Parkway Drive got booked to headline Bloodstock. I'm thinking, they're not big enough. They're like, they'd be like second support to like Kill Switch or something. But just like, then look, look at their monthly listeners. I'm thinking, yeah. oh shit, they're fucking huge. Mm. But yeah. What the fuck do I know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I, I, I've got to say there's some amazing additional vocals on Hold Be Held by Yancey Cooper, who's got an amazing voice, like really beautiful um, resonance on the voice. So I really enjoyed that. Um, and yeah, like just shout out to everyone involved on this album. It's an absolute blast. Um, it's only 35 minutes. Yeah, it's... Um it was it was a fucking it's a very easy listen in the best possible way like it yeah. was like very very fucking enjoyable i just feel like anybody that's even remotely into heavy music yeah would be into this much in the same way with like with the turnstar album it's got like some of that crossover appeal where i feel like i can't see how someone could really dislike this album yeah same you'd have to be like kind of a miserable bastard yeah. not to um but what like you're lost if you don't like it um, should we move on to Imperial Triumphant, Let's Spirit do it. of Ecstasy? So Imperial Triumphant, uh, and as listed on their Encyclopedia Metallum page, <laughs> not to go. be confused with the band Imperial Trumpet, oh. who are also from New York. So there's a, there's a band in New York <laughs> Imperial called Imperial Trumpet. Trumpet. <laughs> I bet Imperial Triumphant came out and they were like, damn, yeah. <laughs> I wish that, I thought of that. I bet that was their original name and <laughs> yeah. they had to fucking change it, yeah. Uh. Yeah, it just makes it even funnier with the fact that they have. I'm not sure if they've ever had trumpets on their albums. I'm sure they have. I'm on, pretty sure. But yeah. like obviously they 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 lose a lot of like you know jazzy like instruments. They got like sax, sax and stuff. But yeah. they should play on a, on light of triumph of death, imperial trumpet and imperial triumphant. That'd yeah, that, be so confusing. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd love that. Just to fuck with people. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, do you know imperial triumphant? So this is a band I've been following their career for quite a while, probably since about 2014, 15. Um, and I've kind of seen them kind of evolve as a band to become, I mean, they've always been pretty avant-garde, yeah. which is what's always kind of drawn me to them. But I feel like they've kind of hit a peak with this album. I would mm-hmm. say, I would go out on a limb and say this is probably their weirdest, uh, most discordant. Portaliest. But it's probably their best album it's so far. It's fucking sick. It's really fucking good. Yeah. I, I, when I listened to this, I was grinning as well. Yeah. Like, it, it's... Oh my god, yeah. There's just so much shit going on, and like I was saying before we start filming, I feel like I'm not even qualified to talk about half of the shit that's happening on this album. We need a license. But yeah. Just, yeah, excuse me, where's your imperial triumphant license? So I'm keeping my wallet next to my mosh, my uh, my mosh waiver. And your V card. Yeah. I'm joking. It was just too easy. It was my, too my, easy. What card did you say? <laughs> do you remember at school when people like you dropped your v card oh the virgin card <laughs> yeah oh no so one thing as well it was gay card when i was growing up oh, so. uh, 
No, I still got my gay card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's just laminated. <laughs> no, uh, no, we never had V cards. Oh, we no. had V cards. Because we, we none, none, none of us were virgins, you see. We, oh, we, we all had sex all in primary chads. school because yeah. like, cause no Why one wanted to you? admit to being a virgin. I remember being in year six, it was just like, you're a virgin. No, I've had sex. <laughs> I was like that in my school as well. Yeah, people just... like trying to prove that they were fully grown adults at the age of twelve. Amazing. That's fine. I just remember the uh, getting sex education, and I think it was <laughs> 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 that, uh, that bombshell shot. Jen. <laughs> that was a proper imperial <laughs> triumph and chaos moment <laughs> on the podcast. There, Shem just dropping his drop? fidget spinner. Oh, his fidget spinner. Oh no, not the spinner. You dropped your fidget spinner, mate. It's great though. I, I love fidget spinners. They it's are just fantastic. So... But yeah, so anyway, before we get back to Imperial Triumph and album, yeah, I remember getting like uh, sex education in year six and just everyone just like sniggering at, at the mention of penis and vagina. And that was just like probably a bit young for this, maybe. Well, I yeah, don't know. we didn't get taught about orgasms. We just got taught about sanitary towels. Yeah. And um, yeah, they showed us a condom. I, the thing is, the ir- irony is we had sex ed- education every two weeks, for like half an hour on a Tuesday afternoon. And every Tuesday afternoon I had a saxophone lesson. So every time there was sex education, I was playing a saxophone. So I missed most sex education at school. So basically what you're saying is... <laughs> I was t- blowing into an instrument. <laughs> so what you're saying is every time the rest of your class was getting sex education, you were getting, getting sax, sax education. education. Nice. It's true. I'm, yeah, it, I legit was for like two Amazing. years. Yeah. Uh, so I missed out on a lot, to be honest. Um, but the sax was worth it. Anyway, uh, Imperial Triumphant... <laughs> so now, it's, so just a few facts about the album. So this is the second album on Century Media Records, and fair play to Century Media for picking up, you know, a band of this that uh, employed this level of experimentation. Uh, quite a few guests on this album. A lot. Probably. Most notable. I took a screenshot, but the most notable one I made a note of was uh, Alex Skolnick from um, Testament. I really like that his name is like Max Gorelick, Alex Skolnick. So it kind of rhymes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gorelick's from The Mantle. I don't know The Mantle, unfortunately. No. But it's, uh, it's fair to say that the, uh, the, the core members of the band are absolutely on top of their game in mm. terms of their uh, instrumental um, skill. You've got Zachary Ezrin, vocals, guitars, orchestration. Uh, Kenny Grahowski, drums. Uh, also, I think he did The Soprano and um, uh, did some sax on track four. And then Steve Blanco, uh, bass, keys, and piano. Um, I actually saw a couple of um, YouTube videos with the drummer, Kenny, just like showing like, it was, I can't remember if it was the Drumio channel. It was one of the drum YouTube channels where they get like people in to show how they do shit. And like, and he was doing some cool shit. Like he is a very, very accomplished like jazz drummer. There's definitely jazz drumming on this album. And 100% I think, there's jazz going on. Oh, and I think that's the thing about it. That's kind of like their USP as a band, right? There's a lot of like freeform jazz influence. Like and that's New York been, jazz as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's authentic, right? Cause they are yeah, from New York. Exactly. So it's kind of got, I think there's not many bands out there that are so able to like use their music to conjure that image of like urban decay. Like it this band. It sounds like New York. Have you ever seen Dark City? No, I haven't. Oh, it's a sick film. It's not well known. Um, I'm going to sound like a film wanker, but I'm not. I'm usually yeah. not. But it's about this. It's a like a. I think it was in the 90s. Maybe it's older. Um, and it's kind of film noir, but it's like a dark fantasy, sort of based on New York City. That's f- like I kind of can't give it away. I can't tell you about giving the whole thing away. But basically, every single night when people fall asleep, there are these like pale guys in sort of bowler hats and trench coats that come and they change the whole architecture of the city and they put people in different so one day you work in a cinema like giving people tickets the next day you're a ceo in like a skyscraper so you live in like a basement and then you live in a a sky you live in like a penthouse apartment and it changes all the time um and like in the film like two people fall in love and then like it all comes crashing down in like a spectacularly horrifying and scary way and there's like all this clockwork machinery and it's like it's like a grim film noir and it's it's kind of like a criticism of the city and like capitalism which i, I feel like triumphant are kind of doing yeah. if you look into their lyrics as well yeah oh, that's what's called dark city says it's it was a called. really good film and like the ending is very like whoa yeah. you know i can't i can't give it away I'll give that a watch, I think. It's really good. Last one yeah. I watched was a horror film called Incantation. You would have fucking hated it. Is it? Is yeah. it full of, like, fake witch stuff? It's, well, it's like your, your standard, like, demonic possession. But oh, it's, okay. it's, like, it's kind of like a meta film where it makes you feel like, 
you're like part of the curse that's been spread around in the film that it's like does it zoom out and everyone's in the cinema and you're like oh no like <laughs> it's well it's like yeah but it, basically the plot is i mean you're gonna watch it no of course right, not you know, you know, spoiler alert everyone yeah it's just basically it's about a um these youtubers who are like ghost hunters <laughs> and they um and they go to one of the guy's family is uh part of like this like ritualistic cult and there's this thing called the tunnel you shall not enter. And it's just like, and she's... <laughs> that sounds like me as a teenager. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. That was good. And it's... Um... <laughs> but it's... Um, she's pregnant at the time and the baby That's ends ironic. up being possessed. Okay. And like, there's a lot of like blood rituals and shit going on in it. But like, there's a thing that's like really messed up a lot of people. And like the main like, uh, like evil deity in it is this. It's called like evil Buddha or something. <laughs> And it's, it's something like that. It's like it's like Dark Buddha, something Dark Buddha. But, but the, the big reveal at the end, it's kind of a bit like The Ring, because there's like this tape where like the two... There's a tunnel, you mustn't go in, but she gets pregnant. Oh, someone went in the tunnel. It is. It's ridiculous out of context, but when you're watching it, like there's parts of it that are like a little bit sinister. Oh no, he goes to the tunnel, doesn't he? But the thing is, two guys, they go into the tunnel early on and uh -huh. then one of them dies in there, the other one runs out and kills himself. Okay. And then the whole film, there's a video camera that has footage of what's inside the tunnel. So you spend the whole film just thinking, what the fuck, just show us the video footage. Okay. And when they do, it shows us they're in this like creepy tunnel. There's mirrors and like, like mummified kids and stuff in there. Okay. And there's like, they find like the big, a big, like looks like a bronze statue of like this evil Buddha thing. And its face is covered and uh -huh. they uncover the face. And this is what's messed a lot of people up. But it's like loads of, it's like an infinite hole with like the holes. Ooh. A bit like, you know, the tryptophobia. Yeah. But that's the thing. Cause I know there's a lot, I personally don't give a shit about that. I don't, it doesn't bother me. It the kind of bothers thing. me sometimes. But I think that image has freaked a lot of people out because I know there's a lot of people that are really funny about the whole tryptophobia thing yeah it depends what it is but yeah 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 but i mean it was it was it was ridiculous but it was enjoyable I, I, it, was. it sounds fun yeah i'm not gonna watch it but it sounds fun no yeah but <laughs> <laughs> everyone should watch troll hunter because that sounds like a bad version of troll hunter have you seen it what troll what the norwegian film yeah yeah, yeah with the kids it's oh, such that's a good great film. yeah i love troll I hunter. Love that yeah, film. yeah. yeah i had that on blu-ray it was really good is it mm. oh it's just uh oh, that at the end when they see the the really big guy what's he oh. called oh the uh, jotna is that what it's called Jotun. 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 yeah they see like this crazy Jotun is just giant. Yeah, yeah but they call it like jotna or something or jotna mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, ask a Norwegian guy, I guess. Um, anyway, yeah. Imperial Triumphant. Um, yeah, so there's one track on this album that I just want to talk yeah, about quickly. Yeah, which one is it? Um, and I, th I think this actually released as a single. It's Tower of Glory, City of Shame. Yeah. Well, what a great track for an album, but it's just got the most anxiety-inducing kind of like build-up to it, and it's just got that really... It's got everything you'd expect from an Imperial Triumphant album. It's like the really caustic vocals. Um, really angular kind of dizzying guitar work odd sampling but the bit that really got me and I would go on record to say this is probably one of the most like disturbing and anxiety inducing pieces of music where there's like a bit of a lull and then it's like a palm muted like just simple palm muted chord comes in but it's like interspersed with sounds of like distress calls from like emergency services uh... and things and it's so fucking anxiety inducing yeah. but like cool at the same time I was thinking this is fucked up I was like but I love it it, it was just that was like the highlight of the album for me, for me. This album has like so many powerful moments where it like really makes you uncomfortable in like an interesting way. Because like New I went to New York once and like it's a fascinating city, but I did not like being there. This is not a not a I don't mean to boy off anyone who lives in New York or anything. I'm not used to being in a city like New York because it's so different to anywhere I've ever been. Like You've been, haven't you? You went See, to Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was there Manhattan for work, too. so I was literally only at Man in central Manhattan, basically. Yeah, I mean, I I went during New Year, so I I, I don't think I actually went to Times Square because I kind of have this weird relationship with New Year's Eve where I don't really like it. But anyway, um, it it's just fucking crazy. Like it's so. I mean, we come to London a lot, but it's like London is like an ant, and New York is a giant. It's so big. I cannot. I could not fathom how big it was. I felt like I was about to be crushed. And like the week that I went there, a woman stepped into an elevator in one of the buildings and the elevator fell as she stepped into it and it just cut her in half. That's brutal. So like I was just feeling like really on edge because I'm, it, it, it's probably an unre unreasonable fear, but New York's 
tall and big and it's got a lot of elevators and like every film about New York someone gets stuck in an elevator like yeah. every TV show set in New York there's always an elevator episode right yeah um, so yeah I was just like really on edge and there's car horns blaring 24 hours a day it's, it's the fact that the fucking like because obviously it's a grid like most other cities outside of London really and is, yeah. but it's what got me was the fact that fucking even if it's a green man cars can still turn onto the road can yeah, yeah. So, so even when you're crossing during the green light or the green man, you've still got to watch out for the cars and the bikes that turn onto the side because if cars coming at that junction can still turn onto the I road. I guess they can't see. Yeah, like... but it's just a thin way. You've just always got to look out for it. I mean, either all these cars, because it happened so many times, I just presumed this was like an actual road law there. Yeah. But like either that or like literally no one gives a fuck about... It's chaotic <laughs> as hell. Like we didn't go on the underground because we were told not to... Um... I kind of wanted to have morbid curiosity just because of all the weird videos I've seen, but it's like... There were some dodgy moments there, like, depending on where you... It's so... America... Like, this is generally what I understood of America when I went there, which I'm not an expert in America. But it from, like, one street to another, from, like, the, like, the smallest amount of distance, it could be night and day. Like, you could be in, like, this beautiful, expensive, high-end, Fifth Avenue-style place, and then around the corner, there's a guy who's going to stab you because he's on, like, some crazy drug. Like, yeah. you just do not know what you're going to be confronted with around the corner. And, like, I saw some of the worst poverty I've ever seen, and then some mm. of the most ridiculous rich stuff I've ever seen. Yeah. I kind of picked up on that, like, that kind of um, fucking dichotomy of, like, it's... Because you see a lot of that in London as well, where there's such a massive you disparity. Do, yeah, but it's between, way more over there. Yeah, like, Manhattan did actually remind me so much of central London, to be honest. And uh, I've, I've spent the majority of my life in in central London. Mm. I didn't live in or work in or go, even go to school. I went to school in central London. Uh, so it felt oddly homely to me. Oh, um, interesting. New York, which was strange. It was just far easier to navigate because <laughs> it's a grid. I, I I felt like I was about to get crushed. Really? The whole time yeah. I was just like, I'm something's going to fall on me. Yeah. The whole time it's I just was the there. buildings at all. That is a, that did take a bit of getting used to. Yeah. Um, yeah. The people were nice though. Yeah, yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd, 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 Much nicer than London is. <laughs> and uh, the ones that I remember as well, just being at. Um, it was when we when I went for work when we were setting up our stand um, at the Javits Center. Um, the unions are so strong there, so you can't do anything that's the union's thing because they're, awesome. they're, they're, they're that unionized, so that's their responsibility. Mm. So they, they don't let anyone else do it because they've got such a strong, you know, foundation there. But it's, um, but yeah, it was strange. I'd, I'd like to go back um, to the states at some point. It's just, um, and I don't. This is just me buying into just things I've heard, which and and the prejudices I've heard. Mm about the country but i'm just just the fear of guns is just always kind of like in the back of my mind yeah i feel the same because the thing for me is like i feel like you know there's not often i'll walk down the street and feel really at risk if i'm being honest i do hear sometimes well actually i do hear all the time but when i see a policeman with a gun i freak out yeah i hate it like because they you have them at king's cross there's policemen with like massive oh yeah guns and like basically they shot some brazilian guy on the tube like i don't know if you remember it was like 2006 or something they just shot him well, i fucking remember because it was at the oval near where i lived yeah yeah because we were um because we because uh, i remember that was not long i don't think it was long after 7-7 yeah exactly they thought he was a terrorist yeah because he, he was, was running like, to like catch brown. catch a train right and he yeah. ended up getting shot dead yeah yeah that was crazy that yeah that was at the oval in yeah. um just at the top of campbell new road um yeah that was crazy yeah, but so I, I kind um, of, I don't have, I, I just don't want to risk it, really. But uh, getting back to the album. Album! <laughs> anyway, sorry, guys. <laughs> I, do, I do feel like a lot of the things we've just expressed recently has kind of reflected in this music. And maybe that's why we're talking about it, because Probably. the music conjures up it makes that feeling of uneasiness. Discomfort, like, unbelonging, um, un unbelonging. Uh, sorry. Um, uh, discomfort and unbelonging. Um and I really, so here's an interesting thing. In America, I don't know if you've seen the graph, the wealth distribution is exactly the same, pretty much, if not slightly more extreme than it was before the French terror. Okay. So like the rich are as rich as royalty were yeah. in, in France when there was a monarchy. Damn. And before everyone just was like, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of lyrics in this album. Um, like the first song, the first song is like begging for autonomy. They, they talk about begging for autonomy, craving for decency. Everything is for sale. We live in the applause of the gods, grasping for culture. Everyone is for sale. And they talk about like throughout the music, there's a lot of references to Russia. So like, you know, Borzoi hunting hounds, which were like associated with like Tsarist, Tsarist Russia, who obviously were overthrown by 
like very angry proletariat being like you know stop being so fucking rich and not giving us anything um and like there there is a lot of like anti-capitalist um imagery in this which i love frankly yeah. and new york is a very potent symbol of capitalism with like the tall buildings reaching for eternity and then you've got like the poorest people as well who are having to to live around that um and there's a lot of also references to like Babylonia, like uh, Babylonian um, gods, Babylonian city. And obviously like Babylonia was one of the first, Babylon was one of the, not the first city, but one of the first great cities. And it is often associated with like the fall, one of the first great falls of, of man associated with excess yeah. and like stupid decision-making basically, which I love. I, I love that they've, they've gone down this route because it's like, it's philosophical. There's a lot of like little hints um, which I love in lyrics, like a little like, oh, what does this word mean? You Google it and there's like a whole thing. So like, for example, um, in, da, 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 let me find it, in um, Tower of Glory, City of Shame, actually, um, which is a reference to um, Gemini, who was like, there were two, there were twin gods, one of which was re related to the underworld, one of which was um, immortal, and, and referred to as a mighty king. And they actually are Babylonian in origin, um, re related to Nurgle, who was like the underworld god. Not, oh, okay. No relation to Behemoth. And I'm, okay. I'm, I'm wondering if they decided not to go with Nurgle because they didn't want to be like, oh, it's the guy from Behemoth. Um, but I, I love it. Like, you know, they talk about a grand hermitage illuminates above the battery, new formalist gone for all time. So the hermitage, obviously, museum in Russia, full of like, is that, is that the, yeah, full of like art to do, owned by Catherine the Great. Also, um, you know, relating to, individuality also relating to um new formalist new formalist poetry was a, a kind of american poetry which was like oh we don't like all this free form poetry that all these like really like free form poets are doing we're going to do like old traditional poetry which is like bound in meter instead of this oh, like, like uh, fucking, uh, the iambic pentameter and all that sort of stuff or? sort of yeah it's like yeah. basically they were, they were they're focusing on meter and like um like respected classical forms of poetry which is like a very western way of thinking and obviously this album's full of freeform jazz and the lyrics are freeform as hell so i like that they're basically being like fuck fuck order basically because new york is ordered it's ordered on the grid um and they they do talk about like i think there's a reference to ordering a river which is like a very blakin image because he has a poem about london where he talks about how you can't charter the thames because it's a moving body of water and you can't do that to nature it's just stupid um and in that song they they mention eagle two of columbia i think that might be like um, a reference to the eagle coin, but then also the eagle, the SS Columbia Eagle was the only time in modern um, American military history that there was a mutiny on board a ship. Oh, really? It was during, I think, the Vietnam. They were, they were sailing to, I think it had lots of weapons on it. Um, it was a merchant vessel, Columbia Eagle, in March 70. Two crew members seized the vessel with the threat of a bomb and a handgun. They forced the master cell to Cambodia. It was under contract by military sea transportation to carry napalm bonds to be used by the U.S. Air Force during the Vietnam War. Yeah, that's right. So it's like the only time, pretty much, that that's like happened. So it's interesting that they're referencing this like mutiny and revolution and anti-capitalist stuff. Like we're at the height of ex excess consumption. Like the world is burning, and like I love that they're imperial triumph, and it's like the fact that they are, you know representing themselves like this and talking about like Babylon and stuff I dig it it's like mythology and history and the present all coming together so it's like a really it's like an album that's like very much rooted in what's happening at the moment but through old imagery which is yeah. like chef's kiss yeah definitely mm. like music of the current times it's because uh, to be honest it's happening in a lot of countries Sri Lanka fucking yeah that's not being televised is it president <laughs> and prime minister was just like I'm getting the fuck out of here yeah, there's literally like pictures of people in the presidential palace watching watching their own revolution on the TV, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, so it's happening. I mean, you could argue in a roundabout way that's it was. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say that's what's happened to Boris, but yeah, I thought you know it's that kind of like the cut off the snake's head, the Hydra's head, really, isn't it? With more, our government, yeah, yeah, our government. I mean, I don't know if you like we were talking about it earlier, like you know, the definition of extremism has been um, extended to include hatred of Britain. So you'll be sent to like a camp where they'll tell you how to love Britain, which is very clockwork. It doesn't sound real. I know. I think it's so unreal that I feel like no one everyone's like, nah, I can't be. No. And then but like in two weeks, we're just going to be like, oh, eyes held open by needles, like yeah. watching. Uh, yeah. When I was at the airport the other day, they had like all these posters with like 
Britain flags on them, being like, our oh, glorious country. And I was like, this is a bit, this is a bit weird. And it has like pictures of fields and, and castles. And I was like, yeah, that, that's cool. But like our glorious country, like yeah. what's going on? Weird choice of words, isn't it? It's a bit Korean, North just, Korean. I'll tell you what, what, what kind of like, what I noticed when I was traveling recently as one of the outbreak was there's so many adverts on the trains and stuff talking about how, you know, like uh, uh, refugees from Ukraine get free travel up and down the country and stuff. And I'm just what like- What about the other refugees that aren't white? Like, what about the- <laughs> What about the fucking refugees of the wars you are responsible for? Right. Like, fucking, where was the, where was the fucking re- respect for them? Yeah. Well, speaking of which, they're, they're reducing the definition of, of asylum. And I quote Rishi Sunak where he said, so that less asylum seekers can come to this country. An asylum seeker is someone who's running from where they would be killed. Yeah. So he's literally saying, fuck people who are in mortal danger. We don't want them here. Despite the fact that we're welcoming white refugees with open arms you know like it's sorry i get a bit mad about stuff yeah, like it's this weird it? it's just fucking so backwards it's yeah. like, have you seen how small rishi sunak is in real life i thought he'd be tall he's fucking tiny that's so funny oh, yeah, legit about five foot one five foot two no i guess he's compensating huh yeah i'll, I'll show you afterwards i would google a picture of him he seems standing next to normal height people and he's he, he looks he looks he looks like a child <laughs> He's really small. Man, this government is a fucking... Anyway, so yeah. like fourth track, Mercurius Gilded. Um, again, like they mention um, Pershing Square, Pershing Square, which is an American hedge fund company. Can you imagine like an album mentioning an American hedge fund company? <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love the way like it's sick. There's a line, man is the artist of his fortune. Sick line. What yeah. a fucking cool line. Like this is so American dream which is like usually a really overdone topic, but the way they've done it is original and it's beautiful. The last line, Imperator Caduceus Eternum, means, um, if I'm correct, commander of the Rod of Caduceus forever. The Rod of Caduceus, um, which is incorrectly been represented as a medical thing instead of the Rod of Asclepius, it's like the two snakes going around a rod, which is um, associated with Hermes, um, and also Mercury, because Mercury is the Romanized Hermes. So he is associated with commerce, trade, and thieves. Yeah. Um, and he's also like a major occult symbol as well, if you're into that stuff. Um, they also mention 42nd Street, which is a major cross street in New York, um, where you see those famous pictures of all the lights, like the uh, theater yeah. stuff, which sounds, that picture sounds like this song. It's chaotic. There's like loads of stuff. There's like suddenly like a huge, like a horn like thing. And there's trumpets, there's trombones, there's saxophone on this album. And it's like really, it feel, it's really vivid. It's beautifully vivid. It's almost like this, the album is like the soundtrack for like the deconstruction of the American dream. Totally. No. It's like the dream falling apart in front of you. Yeah. I, I, it's really interesting. But it's like how dreams actually are in real life. Like if you look at dreams literally, like how often do dreams actually make that much fucking coherent sense? Mm. Like my dreams are fucking wacky like 90% of the time. I have some pretty coherent dreams, but they're like yeah. kind of terrifying. Yeah. But yeah. I'm not going to bore anyone with that. But yeah, this is so... To continue my lyrical explanation, we're almost done. Don't worry, guys. Um, Death on a Highway. I'm just going to read it because it's so good. This is kind of, it seems, it's this is like from the perspective of like the CEO god of New York. You can't repeat the past. Obey your narrator. The nameless lord of infrastructure, the city of the tomorrow, requires sacrifice today. Buy now and shape the land. Built in honor of holy engine. Man is the motor spirit, eager to combust. Buy now and shape the land. Life is profit. Death is liquid. Babylon to Manhattan. Life is profit. Death is liquid. A a great causeway from the master. Lay down your souls. Greatness awaits. Rebuilt so often and often so well. The machine is satisfied for now. Damn, that's good. It is sick. Interestingly, the Babylonians would often build temples on top of their old temples, which is like a very like it's not so much common in sort of the European in Europe. But if you go to like uh, archaeological sites that were in Babylonia, you'll find that there are t- like temples when a god kind of gets forgotten about, they build an, a new god temple on top of that okay. temple. So you get layers and layers and layers and layers of religion, yeah. like literally on top of each other, which here, like that's like building a church on top of a mosque, which does happen, but usually they keep the church and just make it a mosque or vice versa. Yeah. But they literally just knock it down or just literally build it on top, on top of yeah. all the sediment, which is interesting because there's like less of a, a regard for the actual architecture, which is very similar to New York because you will just, they will knock stuff down and build a new thing because it has to be new. Yeah. So that's really interesting. And it's also very Ferengi. I've been watching a lot of Star Trek lately. Oh, they yeah. love their commerce. 
Yeah. Is this um, are the new Star Trek shows any good? Like the, the Picard one or Picard's all right. Uh, Discovery's sick. I love yeah. Discovery. There's a lot of boomers who are like, oh, it's very woke. They cry, they swear, but they do that in all the other Star Trek too. So they're obviously not very good. Is fans, that the one that's they? got? Oh, I can't remember her name. She played Sasha in Walking Dead. I've not seen Walking Dead, but um, oh, I can't remember. The, ma- the you mean the main character, Michael Bannon? Is this the one that has Jason Isaacs? Yeah, 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 from? yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's great. This is honestly really good. It's yeah, I think really Amy's watched it. Says so she really enjoys it. It's good. The really good storyline. I wasn't so sure about the Klingons at first, but you know what? I love them. Like yeah. it's, it's good. Star Trek is about making those boomers angry, and they've done it. Perfect. Yeah. Good Star Trek. Well, let's see if Lord of the Rings could do the same. <laughs> it is already done the same. I've seen That's some heinous true. Lord of the Rings takes lately. Oh man, people would be people are so riled up. Oh my god, Jesus Christ! People are so offended so easily these days. <laughs> 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 I joke. So yeah. Anyway, I think that's probably it for today, yeah, I, think, huh? I think we're done. I think we're done, fam. Yeah, in it. That was sick. Thank you so much for watching and listening. We went on a few tangents today. Sorry about that. Speaking of which, Arc Tangent is sold out. Oh, look at that. That was, a, that was a sweet segue. That was, was a it sold out? Yeah, it sold out. Oh, it's just the week after Bloodstock anyway. I know. But... I was thinking of going, but uh, oh, well, I'd have to make a decision now. Oh, there's, a, there's actually a surprise set at Bloodstock on the Friday. Everyone's speculating. Yeah, well, I was, well I'm was. i just wishful thinking because Enslaved are playing Arc Tangent, right? Oh. So I'm thinking, well, I mean, surely they won't play another show so close, but like... I feel like they're too big for Bloodstock. I know it sounds weird because they're not, but I just don't feel like they're yeah, a Bloodstock they, they fan. Play the main, they played the main stage a couple of times. Have but, they? But, but, but they've been proper egging on this. It's an internationally renowned band and it's saying it's a very, very special set. So I think the most... The most speculated band at the moment is a monomath because they've just dropped a new album. Yeah, it probably would be them. Or it's going to be like some rap band. Yeah, <laughs> like Stuck Mojo. Maybe, I don't know who they are. <laughs> but it's yeah, so, well, Stuck Mojo, uh, the uh, the guitarists and a lot of musicians, Stuck Mojo, are the people that play in Chris Jericho, the wrestler's band, Fozzy. Well, maybe it is them, actually, because they yeah. like wrestling and they like that kind of music. Oh, oh oops. Stuck Mojo. No, really? Well, like recently? No, I did years ago. Oh, because they must have... They, oh, they must have had the vocalist uh, replacement vocalist because they like played like a reformed show at Bloodstock I've a few years ago. I've seen them on some lineups. No, but, okay, oh, God, we'll they? find out on uh, Friday. Yeah, but I reckon it's probably a monomath because they did a surprise set at Vakken apparently. So oh well, if I, that's not very. Yeah. It's just funny doing surprise sets all summer. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> At what point does it not become a surprise? <laughs> Unsurprised set. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you so much for watching, guys. Feel free to suggest albums for us to review. Like and subscribe so that we can become a big podcast uh, place thing and do it all the time. Thank you so much and goodbye. Until next time. <laughs>